Welcome everyone to Rules of the Arena episode 30. This episode is made possible by Blind Ninja Studios where you can find this show and others such as Department of Offense, Homebrew Bound, Soundwave, and Legends of Lothos. This episode is also brought to you by Duck Hill Workshop, a small scale saw- sawmill and builders of fine furniture where you can, f- you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, all under Duck Hill Workshop. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch episodes of Workshop Wednesday. This week's episode is from May when my co-host Grandpa Ben and Justin, who you might know from a few episodes last year, uh, came up to my neck of the woods, northern Wisconsin, and originally we planned on doing a little fireside chat, but a monsoon season hit us and this spring and we were forced to do a tableside chat. Admittedly, I forgot to hit the record button for part of the show, but thankfully Ben caught that. <laughs> uh, so if you'd like to see the full session, head over to the YouTube channel and just search for Rules of the Arena podcast, and you can see the full three hours there. There. Hey, hey. I hit the right button, guys. Good job, Gordon. Hey. So now what do we do? <laughs> uh, now we can actually talk, and it's going to record it. No, I, ga- I, ga- I gathered that, you big schmuck. Um, <laughs> do we start over Oh, well, we can edit this part out. They'll add a beginning. Yeah, I'll go. I'm going to do the post-edit recording. No, I know. But we just lost like 30 minutes of actual conversation. Well, now we're going to talk to Ben all about the Duck Hill Workshop, Duck Hill Workshop a second all time. Over. It's because... okay because no one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> Is there no one there? Literally. Oh, well, there's one now. No one be God damn it. Ben. Let's see if I can make a feedback loop here. Oh, I'm God. really good at that. Oh, Casey, for when you listen to this recording for editing notes, thank you. You're the best. Yeah, Casey, I'll make you some delicious cocktails sometime to make up for this fucking dick. I'll just sympathize, Casey. (laughs) There's just nothing we can do about it. Well, I mean, you could have said no when I asked you on the podcast. I'm going to start saying no. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Gordon breaking your recorder, Casey. No, it was not. It's definitely not on live right now. I would never break anything ever. It is online. Yeah, there's a few second delay. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing here? Oh, Ben's Ben's commenting. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I hope that people watch this for the uh, entertainment value, at least, not so much the uh, quality of the content. <laughs> at least this episode's a shit show. Um, oh, is it ever going to be anything else? No. Oh, well, I mean, pass me that whiskey. We'll see how long we can get. You, you, no, no, no. I didn't mean for you. Keep talking. Say something. Say something. Say something. Something. Okay, that sounds good. Say something I'm giving up on you. That's pretty fitting. <laughs> <laughs> I ran a show for them. I know. Yeah. I feel about it. Uh, it was actually a really cool show. I'm gonna ditch my hoodie. Right. It was one of our. Oh, is that my second welcome back concert at Platteville? I think it was. Oh, what'd you do? Phone was or headphones were giving me beeps. Beeps. <clears throat> beep beep beep. 
Did you comment on there? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> right. There we go. Oh, I feel better. You're good. It's getting too warm. Sweet. Ben gives off this immense heat. I do. It just radiates sexiness. I said heat. <laughs> Let's start this one all over again. Because uh, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> so at 3.30 mark. Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Rules of the Arena. Uh, if you've watched live, you know that we're starting over. It happens. Ben, I'm um, sitting down tonight with... No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> sitting here with Ben and Justin. Hello. Uh, ben, you know, of course, for, as my co-host and you owner and founder of Duck Hill Workshop. Ben, thanks for coming down. And also, Justin, who you probably haven't heard since, what, episode five, six, was it? We're on there. Last year, um, going into the cocktail competition for Woodford Reserve. Mm-hmm. Ben, what's been going on with... Duck Hill Workshop as of late now that you've gone full, you know, unemployment or self-employed now. <laughs> really depends on who you ask. <laughs> Since January. Yeah, January, yeah. Yeah, January, mid-January was the official, you know, I was going to try and make it through all of the this semester, which weirdly just wrapped up. But uh, by the time we got to mid-January, I was definitely like, nope. Um Way to make a mess. Spill on my tabletop. Yeah, well, maybe don't feed me sludge. It came out of the bottle. (laughs) For those of you not watching live, we are tasting Black Butte 26, uh, the 26th birthday reserve by Deschutes Brewery. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, What about regular coffee? I like the Scooties. (laughs) (laughs) That was not on purpose, though. The Scooties Fresh Squeeze. Pardon? I'm going to be really clever. I think this is how this is pronounced. Wow. Justin. I'm going to go in the other room now. <laughs> so you, you wanted to make it till. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of original. The original plan, I knew I was leaving the university and um, thought that I'd be able to make it through the spring semester. Uh, and then a little bit before Christmas, just realized that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and we moved to... January. We're going to try and make it through January and try to get an emergency hire in place, and that didn't work out. And so it was just like, uh, I'm out. Uh, and it's been it's been really good for me. Um, the stress level is absolutely plummeted, which you know a lot of people find fascinating when you tell there's them that no you work. Right? Yeah, there's no work, but. Um, We've been doing a lot of work, but it's just it's very, very different when you can manage your your workflow um, and the level of work that you're taking in. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stress involving money and the lack thereof. But there's so much other stress that I don't have that was really impacting um, like me personally, uh, both emotionally and physically. And then just um my external relationships that I don't I don't have that stress level anymore. But you're just amazing. an event coordinator. All you have to do is plug <clears throat> things in on a computer. How stressful can that be? I think what? To, to tangent on that just a little bit, uh-huh. talking about managing your workflow as artists, that's a very oh, big thing. It's a huge thing. Like everyone thinks about, oh, you, you make something. Right, anything. Oh, you're going to, it's, you know, you just, you just do it. It's just easy. Well, no. I, I mean, for anybody... What? He wants the bottle. 
No, the your class. This is a little midget. Oh, we're gonna rinse it oh. out here. It's one of those things where we you have to kind of manage your flow. Like the best advice I ever got from anybody as far as professional artists, especially makers, mm-hmm. is you know, so at least on one day. Thursdays from two to five is work time. Yep. This is when I do it. This is when it's there. It's scheduled. So I have to do it. Because it's way too easy to like just well, I'll just do it later. Yep. And then you're screwed. Well, that's also one of the reasons that I started the YouTube channel is because when you set a schedule, because I don't just do it whenever I feel like doing it, I've committed to a schedule of of putting out videos twice a week. Uh, and that like that really keeps you honest. You've got to be in the shop. You've got to be making something. Um, and then you've, you've got to have time to then edit those as well, which also usually puts me in the office, which means I have time to do my office work as well, on top of that. Do you schedule that in your calendar? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, we were talking to Kirk, uh, what, two episodes ago? Yeah, and Patty Ryan's. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about him and his wife. They have the shared calendar. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Megan and I do that as well. Yeah, and she literally talks about, or he talked about his wife. She puts in grocery shopping into Mm -hmm. the calendar. So that's all. I mean, do you do that for yourself, at least, with the business? Yes. Uh, Depending on what needs to get done. Sometimes I'm a little more, I'm not as um, strict with what's happening other than like, this is shop time. I'm going into the shop. Um, How far is your shop from your home? From my, <clears throat> from where Megan and I live, it's an hour. It's on my parents' farm. Which is where? Again? Northfield, Minnesota. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Were you talking about that? No, I always thought for some reason that you, until not super recently, mm-hmm. Um, thought that you had like moved from River Falls Mm-mm. and that you were like oh, coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you had been basically like setting up the shop on your like old property. And I was just like, oh, then why did you get to drive to the shop? He <laughs> fucking lives there. I wish. No, no, he doesn't. No, I do not. Um, so that's it's fun. It's a challenge, but it's fun. It's nice to be home. So when you go out to that, do you. Like, okay, so you're going to work a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Say Tuesday, Wednesday. Do you drive home each night? No. You stay out there? I stay there. I assumed. <clears throat> yeah. But I wasn't sure. I mean. So it's been interesting. You know, we're Megan and I are at an interesting point in just in life because she's she teaches and she works a second job and she's also in grad school. Um, so she's really pretty much home to eat sleep. and sleep. Um, and I'm working two days a week uh, with a wedding venue and then working three to two to two to four days a week in the shop. Um, So that's really, I'm only at our apartment on the weekends to do videos. Um, So that's been an adjustment period, but Megan and I are making it work and um, she hasn't killed you yet. That's that's a good sign. You know, the days count. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that's absolutely a very, a very good point to make, especially like people always look at, you know, you think about any successful self-owned business, entrepreneurship, oh, whatever it may be. And it's like people only show you just like with social media, what they want mm-hmm. you to see. That's one of the things I like about this is that you're, we're very honest about it. Like, yeah, no, this kind of fucked my life up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was just listening to um, a podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's talking about uh, DMT. And- yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> as you get older, the more commits. He, he's 51 now, I want to say. We also can't see you. He's got... 
All right. He's got. It's it's easier conversational. I Uh, agree, but. He's got two or three kids, a wife, a mortgage, two dogs, or a dog, and he's self employed, but he also does commentating for UFC. Mm -hmm. He's got his stand up and he has his podcast. And he talks about, you know, he's 51 now. He can do these things because they're pretty cemented. Mm -hmm. There's no way in hell that he'd be able to go if he was in corporate nine to five safe job to convert to that. Oh God. And throw that safety net away Mm -hmm. versus when he started doing this, when he got into comedy, he was in his Mm twenties and he's broke as shit. So it's like, well, I don't care. I don't have anything to worry about. He doesn't have these commitments. You can't lose anything. Right. And, and lose something you don't have that. I wasn't thinking about it because I do work for corporate nine to five and I Mm -hmm. do have this podcast and that's my, my dream goal. Have the podcast become my full-time job. I mean, that would be the ideal, but it is in talking to people, it's really hard because I have the safety net of the benefit package of the salary. The paycheck comes in every two weeks, no matter what happens. Yeah, it's super fun to leave that behind. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no matter what you do, there's a good and, chunk and, of money. Well, I've been self employed before, too. I, I ran my own painting business, and it was going from a relatively secure, quasi full time job ish kind of deal. Um, I mean, the paycheck still came every two weeks. I more or less knew what I was going to get paid. And then yeah. I, I put in my notification. I gave them six months to find me a replacement so I could train them in. But, you know, at, when I filed it and I sent in the notification, like, hey, I'm leaving on six months from now. Good luck. It's like, yeah, woo, we're doing it. And then a month out, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm doing this. This is going to happen. And then it finally happened the day that I should have been paid. And there's no paycheck coming in because I haven't worked there. It's like. Shit. Yeah. That's terrible. It, it that's, puts the fire under your ass that you need to go out and do something. And, yep. Well, there's not always a, a balance there. No. It's uh, like for me, I'm full time in restaurants. Mm-hmm. That is what I love. I love that. And I love making photo work. And I never want to leave either behind. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find that balance. Yeah. So I think for me, it's going to be more find a spot like my long-term goal is to eventually run a bar i don't think i want to own but probably run and so it's like okay cool i can do this and i can still make work that i want to put out you know prints of or even just making work to make work mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be a source of income for me because i have that love for what i'm doing um which is rare that you find both but it's just that balance like it's not always leaving it behind but I also, uh, I'm full-time and don't have a safety net. Right. I'm service industry. We are tipped employees and we don't have health insurance. Right. Some places offer it, but it is almost worse than not having it because it's like, oh, let me take your money and pay them and tell you that you have health insurance paid for by us. Mm-hmm. Looking no, at, no. Have, you, have you ever looked at other countries, you know, um, Europe, or you look at Australia in particular? There, there are lots of countries in Europe. Well, I know that. In particular, Australia, where their service industry, you know, bartenders, waiters, whatever, are paid so well, and it's almost a salary job, if you will. <clears throat> well, that's so true. Because, like, they, they, most of the rest of the world doesn't have a tipping culture because the, I mean, the is a bartender service industry is well. Has that idea ever been in the back of the head? Like, oh, maybe if the grass is greener on the other side, so I go, should I go over there? Oh, no. The, the idea has been in my head for a very long time. Um I am from northern Wisconsin. I've settled into the Twin Cities. That is very much my home now. 
but I've absolutely considered, you know, I mean, even just country-wise, like across, like our country, like I've looked at uh, Kentucky, especially Louisville in particular, which we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss later on, or already have. Um, Talk <laughs> <laughs> about I totally uh, bird button, but you know, there yeah, or out out west. I mean, I find these places that are doing exactly what I would love to do. Um, but it's also a matter of, you know, grass is green until you get there. Like I am a yeah. big proponent of, especially for those in the service industry. And if this affects anyone, like can help them, please follow this model. I will not consider dropping an application in anywhere until I've visited them five times on different shifts mm. for front, like for bartending or serving. Watch all place runs. A place may look wonderful on Instagram. Right. You get there and it might be like, oh, we make nothing. Like, it's not always a labor of love. It's an industry that is, you know, the running joke is like, the, oh, it's the single mom, you know, whatever, paying her bills. Yeah, because it's fast money. Yeah. Some places, especially volume places, are it's just bang, bang, bang. Here you go. And it's hard work. But at the same time, you also have the places that are, you know, putting passion into what they put out. They're proud of their product, whether it be beer or cocktails or spirits or food or whatever it may be. And it's just like anything else. You know, if you're putting out what you're proud of, you'll do better work. Right. And that to me is what it comes down to. Like, I have places that I would, I think would be a dream job, but I'm also not going to like abandon a place that I like working, even if it's not perfect for my fit exactly. And I, but I enjoy my coworkers. I enjoy what we do. I'm not going to. There's gonna, a lot like, of value in that. I'm not going to like, no, yeah. I, well, I've seen. Oh, if I didn't have the coworkers that I have, dear God, I. Ooh. Well, there's there's some truth to that. If different, it's a different mindset, I think, from because I've worked retail customer service for so long, versus the service industry. Yes, similar similar the, guest experience, but different. Yeah, yeah. It, where I've seen a restaurant go out of business because the the person in charge, you know, the team captain, if you will, or the head cook in one instance in particular left because management got into a fight with them and they said i'm done and the entire staff left with them mm -hmm. it was a full-blown mutiny and that restaurant had to shut down it's a different world out there well it's not uncommon i mean you build um you know the kool-aid pact if you will with certain people because you it's all like rugby which is i mean obviously how we all know each other initially um, Sans art for yeah, us. which we haven't really talked about. I mean, well, that's well, how the well, three of us. We, we have talked yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Just like, uh, with the recorder off 30 minutes ago. <laughs> but no, All it's, of the it's, non people were watching. Which, <laughs> <laughs> talk about that. They, well, they will. I'm going to shoot the fuck out of this video. I'm going to blast this one real hard. Uh, but no, it's it's very much that thing where, like, hey, if you go, you're the only reason I'm still here. Yeah. And it's very much a thing. Like, well, I had that. So when I was the three years that I spent at UW Plateau, uh, the first almost two years were just nonstop. And if I hadn't had a handful of really good coworkers, I would have just been done. Dibs are not the middle one. It still has goo in it. Um, and. Yeah, it just would have been atrocious if I didn't have a, a network on campus to, well, to you, support Well, you me. go through such shit, especially in service and retail, but I mean, like service for me, especially in a volume bar. Mm -hmm. Like, you think about a server. 
They have their section, but they can walk away from that section at any given moment. Right. I am behind a bar. We have a 60-seat bar. I am behind it. I can only go so far. Right. It's big, but I <laughs> hide down here. Yeah. But you go through some pretty heavy shit, and you get to know people very well. I mean, you may not um, be perfect always together. I think this is what I gave you. Mm-hmm. The other one was not. Okay. Which one's this? Uh, this is Black Butte 28. What's the, the flavor notes? Imperial Porter brewed with cocoa, cocoa vanilla, peated malt, and sweet orange peel. That's the one. 50% aged and bourbon barrel and scotch barrels. That's the one I was thinking earlier. This is delightful. If, it's, if this is fucked up, it'll still be good. Uh, but no, it's just pour me a little glass. You, Jesus Christ, kid. You may uh, kniff. Gordon's right here. All right, bye. But no, you go through so much shit together. Yeah. Because we keep getting caught off guard here. Um, you go through so much stuff together that you get to know them. I mean, you get to know their personal life, their significant others, if they have one, or their kids, or whatever it may be, and you really start to form a bond. Yeah. And it's very different. Mm-hmm. And so when someone goes, it's like, well, there goes my entire damn reason. I mean, I've worked with people who have been like, I hate this place. And if it wasn't for like the three of you, mm-hmm. hypothetical, yep. I would be gone already. Yep. And I mean, I've had that with some of my student staff members, you know, you, which has always been a challenge because you, you, you hire them, you train them, and you get them to the point that you want them, and then they graduate. Um, but you... Welcome to bartending. Right. <clears throat> you know... Uh, you enjoy some of them more than others, or you relate to them more than others, or you end up working with them more than um, Formula One. Okay. So where are we ordering pizza from? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they leave, and you're like, "Well, fuck! Now, now I have to try and find this relationship with a new, yep. a new group." Uh, and it only it really only happens when you go through that shit. Yeah, you kind of get talked about it off air, and well, I think we've talked, gone over it on previous episodes. And you were then coordinator staff or head of, right? Yeah, I was the for UW River Falls University of Wisconsin River Falls. Yep. I mean, how you basically had to go through it? How many? How many times? Or in Blackfell before that? Because yeah. the people you worked with graduated, yep. and they're may or may not probably not sticking around for that because it's not necessarily their career right oh no that's absolutely it and that that was a challenge um that was a challenge because you're taking students who are going to school to be engineers or nurses or uh platteville has a good criminal justice program so you know they're going for to be cops or investigators or something and um and you're trying to teach them to care about audio and and setting up pipe and drape or curtains or lights or something and every now and again they'll be like this is just a job this is, i don't care about this this is just a thing i do to get a paycheck i'm like well i don't really give a fuck because to get that paycheck you need to do this job well and to do this job well you need to know x y and z and you have to put in the hours to do it um I mean, did you ever have any students that did actually care? And yes. Not necessarily that it wasn't their career, but they came in there like, well, it's a job. It cuts down my tuition costs. Yep. And that was and something. they ended up in really enjoying it. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I have, oh, I've had a lot of students that really were able to realize that what they were learning was not how to set up a soundboard or how to do lights, but they were learning how to problem solve and troubleshoot and <clears throat> think on their feet and operate under stress and 
Like we were dealing with that all the time, especially in Platteville, because um, I think that's a key point we should talk on is operating under stress. Yeah, and that's it's the same thing. <laughs> that is, it's the same. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had a day off now since my crazy Saturday, so I, I'm okay to talk about it. But if I cry a little bit, um, just uh, just pass me that bottle. Uh, uh, sorry, it's it's the same argument that I've made forever about. Uh, getting an art degree, you know, people, the, the more negative people in, in life will tell you like, oh, an art degree is worthless. Like you're, yeah, we can, Justin and I can try together. Um, <laughs> but the argument that I've always made to support an art degree is you're not necessarily learning how to paint or how to draw or how to do whatever. You're learning you how to, are, but you, you are, but that's not really the main point. The main point is you're learning how to think. You are learning how to problem solve, how to take a vision to reality, how to, how to, Figure out your shortcomings, what you're good at, what you're not good at, how exactly. to work around those things. Yeah. Creative problem solving is the key to most problems in the world. Exactly. Going yeah. down that art degree rabbit hole, Ben, mm-hmm. you're a huge, both of you are photographers. I mean, leagues ahead of where I could ever hope to be. Justin, you were there during the first photo shoot with uh, for the arena clothing mm-hmm. line. Back, I, back when I uh, wasn't really super familiar with uh, uh, artificial lighting, honestly. Yeah, because most of my stuff has always been uh, at uh, our oh, family dear God. and they're wizards, but they have twenty plus years of yes, experience. they're they're I mean, wizards, and I'm sure they do great in, in natural light too. But they are absolutely like they built a home studio that's bigger than this house. Yes, wow. Like, well, ground level. Yeah, like it's yeah. a cave with a no joke. For those who know what the hell we're talking about, like a seamless backdrop is usually either paper or linen or cloth of some sort or vinyl, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Theirs was full of canvas. No, no, it wasn't canvas. It was goddamn plaster. They drywalled it. Oh wow! I'm talking it, about the the ones she pulled down for the different colors. Oh, that that's just yeah, that's just um, that's those were canvas backdrops. Okay. But no, they had an actual wall. But like, if you took this wall behind us here. Mm-hmm. And like cut it down and made that angle like you should. Mm-hmm. It, it was solid. Like you could stand on it. Huh. Like and it was and it was as wide as this, if not wider. It different. Hard, hard. It's probably as wide as from my living room to through the kitchen. Uh, but, but they got hockey to, sticks and moving stuff. And yeah, I'm like you. You're crazy people. Uh, I love but, you. But. I mean, Justin, you went to school for your degree in photography. Where Ben, you're more or less self-taught, but you're yeah. I mean, you're a bit of a gear nut and you can. Whore. I prefer the word gear. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, well, that's a very big difference between us. Like, we both appreciate gear very much. You much more than me. Mm-hmm. I am much more about the conceptual. Right. You are much more gear savvy. Because especially with the event stuff, that's how you were kind of got into it, mm-hmm. is doing the photography for your events and stuff like that. Whereas right. mine came from putting out fine artwork into galleries, yeah. more conceptual. Like you said, how can I make this? This is what I see in my head. How can I bring it to here? Yep. And that those are very different steps, but also very parallel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, there. You know, and I, I am that way in in a lot of respects. I learned um, event management. I learned how to run uh, sound and lights for shows and things. That's such a pain in the ass. It is such a pain in the ass, but it's. I learned I it tried on the once. <laughs> I learned it on the fly, uh, and so a lot of what I know how to do is much more intuitive. Um, from just screwing around with it. Like, what do these buttons and knobs and things do? It's in front of you, yeah, it makes sense to me. And I feel like that's the way a lot of artists learn their medium. They're just like, I'm doing this. But where, so we mentioned earlier, like my, in art school, my mediums were print and glass. I don't know, you know, all the super specifics about 
furnaces and, and inks and things. I know that I can mix them and I can do them because, again, I'm working very intuitively. Well, to your uh, number of days, you helped me like, hey, man, I uh, totally forgot to do this <laughs> or it didn't turn out. What can I do? And I definitely got caught. <laughs> but there was an agent that you told me to mix in an ink. I remember this for like trying tea base. Yep. And you mix it <laughs> and it dries real fast. You've dried super, super fast. Oh, I remember that. Base. What is that? It's a cobalt dryer. Yep, that's, that's what it was. And I remember I remember Bernie looked at me and was just like, yeah? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking cute, aren't I? <laughs> Pass me. Yeah. So it was cool. It's fascinating for me. That's why I like about this podcast is I get to talk about these different, two different people about their different arts and mm-hmm. what they do for a living like you two can go and you have in front of me gone off about photography and i understand picture and print and that's about it in the next 30 minutes i'm reading egyptian on the wall well that's that's what i can do that too yeah. you get me with a bunch of painters and i start talking about phenicon mm-hmm. high solids and stuff like that yeah, you know, ah, now we're in yeah. my- <laughs> it's the same thing yeah. even like my wife is a teacher and when she gets together with her teacher friends it's like they start talking about a world i don't even understand um and they start complaining about students and i'm like oh shit i was the student that you complain about right. <laughs> to kind of circle back here briefly you were talking about you know how people kind of mm, fill around mm-hmm. and figure out their stuff. I think that's why so many people get discouraged. Mm-hmm. You fail a lot. Is, well, you're going to fail a, a lot. You're going to make something you're not always proud of. And I mean, I look at back, I have a, maybe two or three photos. I mean, I've been shooting for a while. Not as long as a lot of people I know, but for a while. Mm-hmm. And I look back at some of my early images and I'm like, what the hell was I doing? But at the same time, I think a lot of people get discouraged because they, like, we're very much in an age of Yeah, it's social media. Like, I'm not to say that Instagram gratification is not bad. Like, we are both, all three of us are just on Instagram full time and things like that. Unfortunately. And it's just, it's a great platform for showcasing your work. It's kind of going in a weird direction right now. So if Instagram, I know you're not listening. (laughs) Keep eat my ass. Um, You have to play the algorithm game. Well, yeah. And if you're not a good looking gal... Yeah, wants well, to show off your ass. I don't even mean, I don't even mean that. I'd look at like I worked in tattoo shops. Mm-hmm. I was never a tattoo artist. I was a body piercer, but I, that's how I kind of learned how to draw. Like I do drawing courses in falls, but it didn't make any goddamn sense to me. I just didn't see mm-hmm. light and color that way. I see it as a photographer. It's different. We look at light and color as depth, not palettes. Right. And so for me, drawing was really, really hard. But you look at people that are like professional illustrators, whatever it may be, and they're only posting the stuff they're proud of. Yeah. So people look at that and they go, well, I like to paint, but I, oh, and they get discouraged. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing. I've you been doing this how long? So I've been, other people. I'm years out of a degree in it and I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I like having the projects I'm doing now where I'm trying to open these new things, and these new avenues and push myself. Like, yeah, it can cost money. It can set you back, but if you're not learning, what the hell are we doing? Right. And that's that's just it. Like, learning takes time. Learning takes... Well, the minute you well, think you figured it out, you, you're stagnant. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it takes time just to figure out what you want to do. I mean, yeah. So, here we are in 2019 when I was growing up. I mean, you go to elementary school. They're taught to teach you how to get through middle school. Middle school is taught how to get you through high school. High school is taught to teach you how to get through college. And, and college teaches algebra too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank <laughs> Christ. I. But it's all it's set up to here you go. You graduate college. You have your four-year degree. 
you get a job, you pay your taxes, you get married, have kids, and die. And that's life. But, but they don't teach you what if you don't want to do that? Or what if your taxes, they don't teach you half that middle ground. Right. And But what if you're in the boat like we are? How, how do I do my taxes? The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. <laughs> here's a her, here's her recorder, but how do I buy a house? Hot cross buns. <laughs> like, goddamn. There's no manual for, I want to open up my own business. I want to be a photographer. I want to, I want to start a podcast. I got lucky with mine because I found Casey who runs Blind Ninja Studios and he had five years of experience for me to kind of build upon that and but work with. Devil's advocate, not in a negative way. That didn't teach you how to run a podcast. No, that, that gave did, you someone to record. It, it gave me a platform. Casey's a wonderful, wonderful of. person, and I really appreciate how he does it because, dear God, he handles us well. Yes, um, a saint. But I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's just like anything. Like I got out of certain parts of shooting because it's just not what I'm interested in, and people, the, the culture we're in right now is. Not to say anything bad about it, but it's very much uh, quantity over quality. Yeah. And that's something... I may not be the best shooter in the world. Um, I very much have my own style. Everyone kind of knows that. Anyone who knows me. It's kind of cool. You can really... I see a lot of photographers on social media. You can definitely tell those that have their style dialed in. This is what I like. This is what I'm going to do. Well, social media... Don't like it. That's fine. Social media is creating a weird copycat effect. You know, you're like... You see one person get popular, so you just start making the same thing that they do. Like, or photographing the exact same scene. Like, how many people have, skinny tea? <laughs> how many people have photographed that um, that plane wreck in Iceland or the big mountain in Iceland? Or you know, well, yeah. I mean, there's always be a difference in that. But I look at like I have two things that I shoot. I either shoot my street work or portrait work, and it, it all just comes down to what I'm doing. I mean, there are several photographers and, and creators that I, I look to, not as far as inspiration, just as far as like philosophy on the culture of it and mm-hmm. of the industry and we kind of went in and stuff like that. Like you also have to look at like as a creator, what your artistic consumption is as well. Right. It's not just about what you're putting out. It's about what you're taking in because it does influence you. Yeah. Yes, um, it does. My two styles of work are either usually my black and white, either portrait or street work, which Ben has definitely made comments on before in the past, mm-hmm. um, or like my more lighthearted wedding work, which is a little bit more airy. I try to make it a little bit more, well, it's less moody because it doesn't really fit it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still very much my work. It's just I, I change how I, I shoot a little bit. Mm-hmm. As me, who's someone who knows nothing about photography, I, I, I do appreciate certain types of art, but I really like the black and white aesthetic and the shots that you do with that. You know, looking over your photos that we you just took from the live show that we just went to with Fallujah, Spite, and Whitechapel. The ones that I'm more drawn to are the black and white. And so to try to find the audience that's going to consume that and promote it, if you will, within their friends. Because it seems like you get to that level of fame, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, like all of a sudden I started following this clothing company. And I I know you, Justin, you like the gym, like, hey, go check out this company. You should go. I mean, they have great shoes. I've sent you a bunch of shit in the last week. Yeah. And it's just, where's that glass ceiling? How do I find it? How do I break through to it? Well, it's just it just takes time. It, it takes time and dedication. Honestly, and the other thing, which though, here we are back to dedication and motivation. Yeah, yeah. there's there's two things too. I see this in the woodworking world. Like, I want to make more complicated, time intensive things that are going to last forever. And then you've got people that are cranking out slab furniture with hairpin legs, both of which they bought 
and they've essentially just sanded and put a lacquer on the wood and screwed the legs to it and they're calling it woodworking and they're shipping those out the door for two grand a pop and like crazy is what a quarter of that if yeah that. well hopefully um but that's like do you ride the fad and do you jump from fad to fad to fad or are you in this for a long haul to develop your own style to try and make that corner like carve that niche of the industry out for yourself well i think that comes back to kind of what i talked about about me like backing off like doing like weddings and stuff mm-hmm. like that that quantity over quality thing is i shot i mean a handful of weddings and, and in the last little bit and i don't really advertise for it i don't have them up my website um i had so many people like hey do you do weddings yes well how many have you done would you like to see what I've done? Right. And they're like, well, how many have you done? I'm like, well, I've lost, I had a car drive crash in like 2013 or 14. I lost a bunch. I lost like 65% of my portfolio mm-hmm. because I was literally backing it up to my backup. Oh, yeah. As you as a photographer, is it, you know, being 2019 now with the proliferation of, yeah, whatever, of New social media? Events. Uploading those photos. I mean, is it easier for you to build that resume versus, you know, having to rely on that? Well, no, it wasn't wasn't so much that. It was more like, like, yeah, say last year I had people talking to me about it and they wanted to see what I'd done. And I only had one that I was available to show because that was the one that survived. Hmm. And it was like, okay, cool. But you only got one. Well, yeah, but do you like them? Mm-hmm. Right. Does my work stand out to you? Like, there's a photographer that I follow very avidly, and I doubt he'll see this, but I hope to God he does. Matt Day. <laughs> mm. I know I've sent you him. Yes. Matt is, between him and Sean Tucker, quite possibly some of the best. Or is it Sean Tuck? I'm bad with names right now. Um, some of the most, actually, influential in as far as what they're putting out in the culture, not as far as work. I appreciate both of their work, but to me, their words are speaking louder right now. Mm-hmm. But he said it best. He's like, if people like your style, put your work out there. Eventually, you know, if people like it, they'll approach you about it. Like, you may not even advertise that you do weddings, but like, hey, we really like your portrait work. Do you do weddings? Or, hey, do you do this? It kind of comes full round. And that's kind of tied even back into where people, you know, like you were saying, like, do I bite the bullet? And kind of jump into that. It's like, well, it may take longer. You'll work harder. You'll be more satisfied at the end of it, though, because if you if you can manage to make it work, you have stayed true to yourself on what you like to do the entire time, even if it does shift. It's just like music. <clears throat> oh, your, your work absolutely should shift we, over we, time. Yeah. If you're yeah. doing the same thing over and over, you're not doing it right. No. And that's, like, like, that's a hard thing you don't want to get locked into. Um, and even Jim told me that, Jim Engelbretton. Uh, oh, classic Jim. Yep. But that was a big thing. Like, you, you know, experiment now. Don't just start. Don't get locked into something because once once you start selling something, once you start making a product that people like, um, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy money. But they will also if they only like you for making that one product when you want to change, when you're sick of making that thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about certain bands that have been <clears throat> fairly established. They, I mean, they have two or three albums out. And to be able to listen to and hear the evolution that they've gone through to get yeah. where they are now. I might necessarily like the first album, but I really like the third. But I can still appreciate right. what they did to get to where they are. Well, that's a great example. And some of that is there are some bands that do just that. Like I own they're making they've made the same album over and over and over again. And it's they are different pop bullshit. <laughs> well, that's not even I'm gonna say like um, my personal example is I love flogging Molly. 
I haven't listened to like their last three albums because I don't care. Uh, that being said, do it because <laughs> I, did, I did the same thing. Picked the most recent was like, oh, you're, you're puzzled. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, what's it called? I actually have it on here. Because um, for a while there, like they put out, uh, I can't remember all of them now, but. I think it's um, Speed, of, Speed of Darkness, I think, or something like that. Um, but no, to come back to, uh, before I forget this goddamn topic. Uh, Speed of Darkness, yes, that one. Listen to that. Um, talking about do I make work that is time intensive and things like that. We have a comment. Who? Who is it? I can't I'm, see. I'm it. gonna get up so I can read it. Paramore Josh says arm wrestle. Arm wrestle. I mean, okay. <laughs> lose. We're gonna do a woodworker. We're gonna do me. I don't know. Um, but no, talking about that. Um, making work that you're proud of versus where yeah. it goes. It also runs into that thing like, are you making work that only that creative style will like? Like, am I making work that photographers appreciate, but everyone else thinks is shit? Same thing with woodworking. Like, I said, oh, it's cool. It's, this looks really great, but you look at the joints of it and it's like, oh, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Gordon, that's what we were just discussing. Um, making work that's either like aesthetic to the crowd or aesthetic to like the maker. Is it something like, oh, a woodworker would appreciate, or a carpenter would appreciate, or a photographer would appreciate, but no one else would? Like, what are you looking at for technicality? Mm-hmm. I think certain strong pieces in any type of art will speak. Right. But I do think there are things, like, I look at some art and I'm like, holy hell. But your average everyday person who has zero concept about the history of that art form mm-hmm. is just like, I don't get it. Uh, somebody's name, Josh, said arm wrestle. <laughs> so I guess who's up? Uh, you two first, and we'll round, round robin style this. <laughs> At least they didn't ask for my little money. <laughs> um, I'm really nervous. Let's move some of the gear off the cam, off the table, yeah. just in case things spell. That's probably uh, right hand or left hand. Uh, right. Okay. I'm a lefty, so this will be interesting. Yeah, it should be. I'm not. I'm like, getting that request. <laughs> well, the very first chat comment I ever had was somebody, you know, they said, show me my little, show me your little pony. <laughs> and my response is, well, that's for the top tier of my patron. <laughs> um, so I think we should move the recorder for this. Yeah, probably. Um, I just don't want things to tip over and spill. Um, congratulations. We are so bored to get what you want. <laughs> Also, People who's Paramore Josh? Do you know this person? And not a clue. Well, hello, Josh. You hey, Josh. Finish. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Gordon, you want to officiate here? Yep. So, um, lock arms. I don't know how this... Go, no kiss. Oh. Yes. No kiss. Hug. Hug it out. <laughs> Maya. Find. Crouch. <laughs> All right. Um... Uh yeah, no no cheating fellers. Alright, um Cody, you wanna cut it out? Three, two, one, go. I'm gonna lose, I can feel and it. And those of you listening there add a dead stalemate. Holy cow. Gordon, you know. He's got the he's got the wrist advantage. Ben is kinda cocking his wrist a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> and Ben gave out. Ben's, uh, I just held you, basically, is all it was. Yeah. Old time. Right? Oh, that hurt. Is it the hip, or is it just right there? Oh, on my shoulder. Oh, shit. Ben I might have bad rotator cuff. But... The, the vest is supposed to make you tougher. <laughs> 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 all 
Oh, did you hear my wrist go as soon as I went? Yeah. Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> Me? All right. I'm, I'm going to lose now. <laughs> well, I, I know. I know I am because you lift a lot of heavy things. I would never. Never. No. Well, no, you lift them, but you, you're fucking your knees sitting. Yeah. You don't have the arm there. What's that for? This sleeve is so it's on a bundle up on my elbow. Fine. I was making the point of like hard on there. I think I only got that one because I like outlasted him and he couldn't take the pain. <laughs> it's probably what it was. Yeah. yeah. Ben, you can officiate. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> it's like, do you feel the joy rising in your vein like the sap in the spring? Whiskey to Justin is like uh, spinach papa. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, I'm not expecting to win this one. Oh, well, that popped. There we go. We're all getting old. <laughs> all right. Did you get on there? Yeah. Two. One. Oh, fuck. Anytime now. Shut up. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Jesus Christ. Fuck. Ah, damn it. How? No, dude, that, what was that? How? Okay. I'll, get, I'll get in a little bit further, but how did I beat you? There's no Man. way I should have. All right. It's that whiskey. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> Go. Strong and the bartender wins. Gordon taking off his shirt. Ah, shit. Gotta go. <laughs> Somebody sit back down. We got an empty stream. Also, remember, uh, well, we talked off air about my bicep pain. You want lefty? No. Because I'm a lefty. It's, it's right here, that same spot. Yeah, your shoulder. Yeah. But, yeah. So, those of you listening. Rating champ. <laughs> Justin wins in the arm three wrestling three, contest. I guess. I'm gonna go pee away my victory. Cast it away. I'll uh taking a short break here, Casey, if you're when you're editing this. Leave it in. <laughs> here, Ben, you know what? I'm gonna sit front and center, you can sit over in the corner. Here, I made room for you. You let me win. 
No, it, well, I was talking to you about uh, bench press, and I had that weird pain on my uh, my right arm, right where the the front bi- uh, the de- bicep meets the front delt, which just fucking hurts for no reason. Um, so back to topic. Yeah. Which one? All of them. That's gonna be dark as shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, where were we on the subject? Art, mostly, <laughs> mostly art, and like how people get discouraged and stuff like that. Um, it's like part of the process. It is. Well, I mean, I think it gives you a challenge to overcome. Well, I think a lot of it too. Like the best work I've ever made, as far as like fine art. Like I don't do as much of that anymore because I don't have access, to like a soundstage essentially, <clears> to build <throat> it. <throat> but the best work I ever put out came from hardships. Right. Um, would you? Would you guys say part? Of, I mean. The way our education system is set up, you learn a subject and regurgitate back onto a test. Hundred percent, kind of hundred percent. But I mean, there's no. I've never once like I spent. And is there a way to teach? I mean, if you fail, you fuck up, and it doesn't work, and go back again. In theory, I have a two part. I'll finish up to him. Yeah, in theory, that's the way it should work, and that's kind of the idea of. Is there a good way to teach that rather? I mean, that's just it. You say, hey, this is the thing. You go out and you attempt to do the thing. You fuck up and the teacher tells you, here's what you can improve upon. The goal of teaching is, again, not to make people understand the exact same thing, but to make people who want to, they want to learn. Make the process work for them. They want to be curious. Yeah. Like, I fucked this up. How do I fix it? Mm -hmm. Not, did I get the right answer? But... How do I how do I make what I set up to make yeah. or get the answer I wanted? <clears throat> like that's that. the the thing that you really want, and and I use that as my example for myself. Like I was a shit student because I was the student that figured out I can get a B in any almost any class without fucking doing anything. Mm-hmm. I don't need to study. I don't need to like I can put in minimum effort and pass. I'm a three part now. <laughs> <laughs> but the classes that I really fell in love with were the ones where I encountered something where I'm not instantly good at this. I have to put in some work. I have to. And it, it is out. discouraging. Like you will have days to go that. But I guess my three part rebuttal here, not rebuttal, but I guess commentary. Response. Um, so shit student as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated lecture classes. Mm. Hated them. I had a couple that were really cool, a couple I really appreciated, a couple we got drunk for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I was warned, you know, hey, don't uh, being art students, mm-hmm. do not let your like last two semesters be only studio classes. Oh, I did one that way because you will die. No, I did my last three that way, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thrived in it. Because I got to create, like you said, problem solving is what you're teaching people. Like if you teach them to create, you know, anything or find that right answer through problem solving, critical thinking, mm-hmm. you're teaching them how to be a person. Yeah. Yes. Whereas like I remember I had a, it was an algebra course and the, the professor, I remember her name, but I'm not going to say it. Mm. Um, she was a lovely lady. She really was. But I also think she got really, really high a lot. <laughs> like we would have, you know, the giant like eight by 12 like whiteboards in the front of this math class and she would write the entire class equations and all that and about halfway through she'd be like wait I did those wrong erase it I went through all like my last two weeks of that class I don't know what the hell was going on mm-hmm. I got like a, a D because I don't know what the hell I'm doing mm-hmm. the final week finals week I remember I was in the dorms it was my freshman year Freshman or sophomore, I forget which one. And I locked myself in one of like the study rooms in the basement of like our dorm. Mm-hmm. 
for eight hours. Wolf. And I started at the beginning of my textbook and taught myself how to do it mm-hmm. just by basics of working my way through, just as with we, our process, which now makes sense why I pick up things the way I do. Yep. I got a 98% of my final. Nice. It saved my grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, that creation process, you also start pulling off of different things. Right. Like me being in... Studio ceramics, like an advanced level ceramics, advanced level photography, like beyond what their studio was, because it was my major. Um, studio glass and all these things at the same time. You start to look at things in a different way. Yeah. Even if it's just your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Like I look at, you know, things I'm interested in shooting and obviously very much bar culture is a thing in it. But mm-hmm. I look at like photographing Minnesota Strongest Man with you last year. Like those may not have been my best work, but it was really interesting to see and try to figure, okay, well, how can I make this work? Right. Especially not being a commissioned photographer, if you will, for yeah. the event. Yeah, no, I came with because I, I wanted to support you. I wanted to have a good weekend. Mm-hmm. Instead, we slept on patios. Well, you slept on patios. Yeah. I was a little tired after that. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, we're sitting on a patio in St. Cloud, <laughs> having a cigar and a cocktail, and he's like falling asleep into his drink, and the bartender's like, hey, is he okay? I'm like, yeah, a couple thousand pounds today he picked up, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just, it's very much that problem-solving thing, and mm-hmm. I think people really need to figure out how to do that. I mean, granted, the education system is what it is very much for profit right now as far as like additional education, right? like higher learning. Yeah. But and, at the same time, there are those who believe in it, like watching a couple of professors at River Falls that were supposed to be let go. Mm-hmm. And the, the students put an uproar in and like literally turned over the university mm-hmm. and now they now still have their jobs. What is left now, but and I yeah. think that's kind of interesting because I've talked to people that said, well, if you're not trying to go for your typical four-year degree in history, teaching, science, blah, 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 go for a, go to a trade school. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, for people like me, I'm not necessarily made out. I'm, I, so I went to school uh, for teaching history and poli sci, I failed out twice and I dropped out once. <laughs> Didn't get my degree, just a five year pile of debt. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not necessarily made out to go to a trade school either. Yes, I, I'm self taught more or less painting. Right. But I mean, to jump from, uh, like, I was doing residential work, I mean, to, if I were to ever try to jump into a commercial realm, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother fucking animal. But there's a whole. So I take welding or yeah, carpentry yeah. or plumbing. What are they? I mean, I don't have the mindset and I don't have the appeal towards that tr- those kind of trades mm-hmm. to make it worth my while right. to go in, do a good job in as an apprentice. Yeah. Because then I'm now irritating the guy I'm training under. <laughs> and then let alone try to make a career out of it and be good. I'm saying it, you're highly unlikely. Well, what? No, ever. <laughs> I, I am so pleasant to be around all of the time. Fucking <laughs> yes, sunshine. <laughs> uh, so that's an interesting argument. Uh, one, because the trades are suffering in our country right now. Very uh, much so. Even though the, the industries are thriving, we just can't get people into those and, jobs. And I'm curious here, to, sorry to interrupt, uh, no. hear your guys' opinion on that. Um, the way, and we kind of touched about it before, you know, you're taught, you go to elementary school, it's taught you to get through middle school. Middle school is taught to you to get through high school. And high school is about the time it started to teach me the only way to make it in life is you go to college, you get a four-year degree, right. you get your nine-to-five, and then yep. you, you're you safe. <clears throat> right. 
We kind of, but it, it like certain trades, like a garbage truck driver, hmm? is kind of, I guess, well, air quotes, are, looked down upon. There are industries that don't require a lot of skill, but are necessary. But they make more than a livable wage. Yes, it's a necessary service. Yeah, yeah. and that's the problem you run into is that like uh, New York. I was watching a documentary on New York truck drivers make eighty thousand a year for a one mile route. Granted, that one mile takes you eight hours, hmm. and then you're cleaning your truck and like you the, right. the, the their their sanitation standards are so high. You could literally eat off the floor where they dump their garbage. Wow. But you don't hear that in high school. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we created this. You know, it, it's kind of something that came out of. I think probably started after World War One and definitely after World War Two, where you had people who suddenly had the means to pursue an education and the this idea that we were going to create this better world for future generations. And part of that was by educating. And, and I think it's not it's also shifted wrong. very much in the 80 years since. <laughs> yeah, it, it's shifted. It, it was a good idea and, and it's a good thing. But and we've skewed it over time. Um because no, no one really cares so much what your degree is in, right? Like unless you're going to have unless you're college getting, degree, unless you're getting a master's right. or your well, doctorate exactly or whatever it is. Yeah. Like you think about people go for like a, a four year psychology degree, especially yeah. if you don't have a master's, you can't do anything with it. No, but exactly. if you have a, the, the high the college diploma has become the equivalent of a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. We've as long as, you, as, long as you, days, you need a four-year bachelor's yeah. just to get an entry level. Well, position. it's just like us. Like we have a four-year degree in our respective mediums. Right. Does that teach me how to run a business doing it? Yeah. No, it teaches me how to make it. Yeah. Or what I focused on while doing it, based yeah. on the textbook written by the person that. Well, not even that. Made it I mean, in, in most degrees, yes, but in like especially in ours, very much not so. No. Um, but you're also looking at you know it's a a very different world too. Yeah. Yeah. I would say art is kind of. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to plug my phone in here. Um, well, I was talking about that. Randy Johnston. <sighs> Love me some Randy. Yep. But I remember he made a comment. I can't remember if it was a, 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 a like an art department picnic. Or, but his comment was he could never advise someone to go into the arts if they weren't also uh, willing to spend several years or all of their years driving truck to make money. Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. We're doing some, and that's, some similar thing. That's kind of where we all are right now. Yeah. Um, that, you know, anytime you want to break the mold and not rely on someone else to pay your bread and butter, um, it's going to take sacrifice. Yeah, you have to you have to really work. And again, you're building yourself. You're learning. You're building your client base. Um, Assuming you put all that kind of work, right? <clears throat> well, that's where I kind of come into it now. And I mean, like, I'm not going to get into my personal life stuff. Like, that's not a topic for yeah. this com- this podcast. Mm-hmm. But I have a under ten minute setup pop up studio ready in my apartment at any given time. Yeah, I am ready to like shoot full on portrait portraits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try and sell prints, things like that. Um, things like that. Like, you know, it's, I, like we kind of discussed earlier, but kind of missed. Mm-hmm. Um, I am fully content in the industry I'm in because I want to be in both. Right. And that's rare that you find that. Mm-hmm. Rarely does a passion project and a paying passion project mm-hmm. line up. Right. And that's where, like... I really do enjoy the event industry, but I can't. It's such an all-consuming thing mm-hmm. that I can't manage to do both. 
um, or at least not in the capacity that I was at the universities. Well, no, and that's, that's kind of where I come into it too. Like discussing what I wanted to do long-term, like, you know, run a, run, manage a bar, yeah. a bar program, build cocktails and good beer and, and hospitality and stuff like that. Like coming back to like the trade industry, I mean, how many years ago was it still considered not that many that bartending and serving was not a real job? I still get that question three times a shift. Right. I work five days a week. Well, what are you going to do after this? Well, this is it. Mm-hmm. Right. This is like, it. I don't yeah. understand that. Well, why is why why things are looking down this, on? Yeah. This. I, I, absolutely, I absolutely consider that a trade also. Exactly. It's it's a, it's a, a it, it does board, in, board into the art form depending on what you're doing, but it is absolutely right. a trade. Like, yes, there are people that, you know, they waitress while they put themselves through school or they bartend while they, you know, whatever. They, they pick up these side jobs. There are people that come in and lay pavers for landscaping. You know, there's, every industry mm-hmm. has grunt labor, but there's always a step above that. You know, the grunt labor is always entry level get your foot in the door. You might, your goal might be to work up into that industry or it might not, but more often than not, you're just looking for something to pay the bills and you're mm-hmm. moving towards something else. But if you do work, but you have to start, have around. that place to talk from. <clears throat> right. And it doesn't mean that that's I mean, not a real job what, or I, a career. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, sell, I sell paint now because I used to apply it to houses. Right. And I have a foot up on the leg or have a leg up on the competition, rather. Leg up on the foot? Yeah. <laughs> uh, about the competition, a lot of the reps, because they're going, and even within my own company, because in the guy I replaced, because... They never painted out. They read out of a textbook. This is what this does. And then I go to my customers, well, I don't like this product because your predecessor said this is how it's supposed to work, and it didn't work that way. I go, well, I mean, he's not wrong. However, here's my experience with it. Yeah, but here, here's what it... Yeah, here's what it's supposed to do, and here's how it actually. Yeah, here's does that. reality in northern Wisconsin versus yeah. in Ohio. Yeah, all the customers in inside a. Uh, uh, we a are very auditory. Yeah, it's yeah. snowed today. Yeah, and here we are in <clears throat> friggin' May. Yeah, what was what was the one you were telling me is supposed to be a three year product, and you had someone put it on a deck, and it was a one year product. Yeah, like, uh, it, you, know, it, like you have yeah. those things. Like, yeah, the 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 warranty says or the product says that it should handle three years of normal use. But if you subject it to abnormal conditions, it's not going to hold up. And I've gotten, I've caught flack because I don't, I refuse to drink the Kool-Aid from the corporate office. I'm sorry. Well, I think that's what's nice. Put a fucking test site out where I live and then sure, maybe I'll subscribe to it. Until then, get into reality. I don't care what your degrees say because you read a textbook for eight years. You now have a master's or a doctorate and you're in the R&D department and this is how it performed under controlled area in a laboratory. Well, congratulations. Welcome to Wisconsin where it's probably going to be negative 30 on July 3rd and 80 in fireworks on July 4th. Right. Congratulations. I think those, uh, to play devil's advocate as I do, I think those... You know, control things are important. Yes, you have to have them because that's a standard. It's a standard, <clears throat> but you have to have the practical but you also, knowledge yes. to understand. And that's what I like about just this conversation in general. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Obviously, we've tangent, you know, very far off of like the beaten path. <laughs> but that's what I love about this conversation is the fact that all three of us come from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different areas, different families, different ways of life. I mean, all of us have different political views. 
religious views, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But we can sit here and talk about things that in, in a rational sense. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that lacks in most workplaces too, because you look at your, like an employee and I'm guilty. I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't say guilty. I'm guilty of encountering that. Um, and I know I've definitely, you know, counted out the new guy a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but I'm in my 15th year of service industry. I'll be 29 this summer. So I'm doing it over half my life. Right. Um, I know a thing or two. Yeah. I may not have managed. I may not have done all these orders, but dear God, I know how customers work and I know how places work. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. Hey, maybe not this. Well, no, no, it'll be fine. My numbers are up. We should do this. Well, no, your numbers are up because you're booking parties right. and events. Here we are again. Yeah, it's more. Not because your business is busy. Right. If you're if you have an event center attached to your restaurant, hypothetical. Right. And you are booking two rehearsal dinners a week. Yeah. Your, your, in your slowest season, well, we have staff here. Our numbers are up. No, your numbers are up because of that. You're not looking right. at why they're up. Yeah. Which, once yep. again, critical thinking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, you walk into, you see that play out. You walk into a bar that's dead and there's eight people on. You're like, well, but they've got an event center next door that's got an event going on. And that comes back to two where like <clears throat> industry gripes. Mm-hmm bartenders and servers hate being on longer than they need when there's no one there. Right. Because at that point, you're not making money. We're tipped employees. Yeah. Granted, that's a whole different conversation with the Twin Cities right now that I'm not prepared to get into. I haven't done my reading yet. Uh, Come back to that, (laughs) I guess, at some point down the line. Well, we got that with from Petty Ryan's where he talked about, you know, during the week, you know, the slow days, there's a bartender who takes care of that section and a server who takes care of that section. Well, I just so, meant the, the St. Paul tip credit thing because oh, okay. they're, they're upping the, the minimum wage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was basically going to do with tipped employees. It's like if you do it like tipping for the service industry at service industry in the U.S. Mm-hmm. or even in a state. Cool. Shut your doors for a week while you find new staff. Yeah. Because while it's, we love what we do, we do it for the reason and we can run. Yeah. It's how it works. We all have our off days, but no, it's very, very different. Um, that's the difference to like retail and service mm-hmm. is that, you know, you're dealing with the same level of abuse usually. Yeah. Yeah. The difference is, is the level of abuse comes from two different areas. Like, well, why, why is the shirt priced this way? Well, I didn't make it and I didn't write the price. Whereas mine's like, why didn't your burger, my burger come out cooked right? Well, I put it in, but I didn't make it. Right. You know, yeah. it just comes with time. In the, in the retail burger world, sounds good. you're worried about your customer service reviews because corporate will come down on your head. Mm-hmm. Where in the service industry, you're worried about your tip mm-hmm. and what your customers but think. Also, I mean, depending if you're corporate, if right. people come out of your head. Like, I have experienced in places where, like, we had nothing but, like, I had a five-star review a couple weeks ago. Not to toot my horn, but, I mean, just for happenstance. Um, Three days later, we had a negative review about, like, a Saturday afternoon. They threw an extra bartender on full-time now where it was not needed. Right. So now we have three bartenders and a bar back on a Saturday afternoon or something like that. It's like, okay, well, this cuts into everybody's. If you, pull, if you pull your tips the way that we do, it makes sense. But what? I don't want. What? That's good. Uh, <laughs> well, Ben's gonna leave us here after this. It sounds like so. Unless he's staying the night now. He is. We'll see. Goodbye, home. I didn't ask you. I'm telling you. <laughs> Was I wrestling again? <laughs> Shut up. Uh, I true. Uh, uh.
Didn't know you were a dick. But no, it's it's a lot to talk about, and it's a lot to get into, and we could get into it a lot harder. Oh, we could. Um, what was the discussion you and I were having recently? Um, the ethics of photography. Ethics of, well, of anything at that point. Right. Let, well, me, yeah. let me pull up that conversation. <laughs> you know, I feel like with a little bit of like context, this will not go in the right. direction. Well, we I can't remember the full article, but it was it was the right. ethics of street photography. I sent him a screenshot. Yeah, it was yeah. around the lines of like why you shouldn't do street photography. And let me right. find out um, what that video was. It was from Jimmy Windsor, who is one of my favorite little YouTube photographers. Um he often, as I like to, plays devil's advocate of like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this if you're, you know, this and this. Because mm-hmm. everyone has their own style. Right. Like, I've shot street photo with a lot of friends, stuff like that. I have no problem walking up to a person deadpan you to me away and just snapping a photo in their face. Right. Granted, your heart goes up a little bit. as a hawk in here. I see it. Oh, oh, nope, I didn't get it. It's in front of Gordon. Oh, it's in front of Ben. Oh, I did get it. Nope. Oh, nope, he's still flying. <laughs> It's behind you now. Oh, but directly above. Whatever. Anyway, um, but it's like these problems about mm-hmm. approachability. Oh, and we kind of got into that <clears throat> uh, a while back about um, <clears throat> what's that cat's name? Uh, Odell, outside Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Now, is it okay that I took his photo in exchange for giving money for a beer because he is honest? Like, I'm homeless. I just want to have a beer tonight. Well, see, and that's where I'll kind of get into this. But Ben and I basically were like, you know, the debate about photographers paying for people like a dollar. Like, hey, let me take your photo. I'll give you a buck. And then right. they turn around and like put this work in galleries for mm, thousands. Uh, yeah, whatever. Maybe if they are selling that respect. Mm-hmm. Um and Ben was basically, you know, not photographing people of a different or social economic class because people talking about you cannot properly capture it mm-hmm. if you were not a part of it. Right. But then, you know, is it, oh, look, it's quaint and, you yeah. know, what a pity. What, or, what's the context? Or is it a composition? Yeah. And that was the end because that was the video highlighted that. Like, it was basically like, look at these photographers who are doing these wonderful things. Yeah. But they're also coming from it. Yeah. They're documenting it in a way because that's what they experienced. Right. That's their perspective. Yeah. As opposed to being almost predatory, um, you know, just walking around taking pictures of homeless people and not helping them. Yeah. But then you dig into that, you know, that kind of ethical rabbit hole. Yeah. Of, you know, well, do you do anything? Like, is, right. is, is existing ethical? Yeah. I think that's, that was my comment. Like, oh, I'm, you reading, I'm reading it right now. Yeah. You can't eat um, anything that casts a shadow. Uh, uh, yeah, dig into that ethical rabbit hole of doing literally anything. Existing, it's unethical. You should probably stop. <laughs> if you're not living like your Stone Age hunter gather ancestors, you're unethical. You can't eat anything that casts a shadow. <laughs> um, but no, like talking about Odell, and I, I've heard some stories recently that make me kind of un, unsure about him, and I don't know if it's him for sure, so I'm going to leave that on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're true, well, that's done. If it's not him, we're continuing. Um, but no, it's basically the idea of like I was up in St. Paul around the cathedral mm-hmm. and shooting and was just walking in. Hey, man, get some good shots. And I was like, yeah, you know, thank you. Didn't think anything of it. Didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. Chatted back and forth while I'm like still shooting. After about five minutes, I turn around, like, and he's like, Hey, man, like, I don't mean to be weird. Do you have like 50, 50, 60 cents? It's like August. It's hot. Mm-hmm. I'm dying. And he's like, I'm just going to need a bottle of water. And I was like, Well, shit, man. Like, thank you for the good conversation. Like, you mm-hmm. were super polite. Like, 
not say you have to be, but obviously, you know, be good to people. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like manners are important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so anyway. And I'm an absolute asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I gave him like a 10. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, you know, take my photo or something. And I got a really, really nice shot off mm-hmm. of it. Like, you guys have both seen this. Yeah, it's good. And I, I didn't know what to think of it. I'm never going to sell that photo. I'm going to put it out there. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to sell it. I'm going to make money off it. But there are people that do that. Right. But there are also people that <clears throat> flat out walk up to someone and go, here's a, here's a dollar. Let me take, you know, rapid fire photos. Yeah. And then they turn around and sell them. But there's also people that wouldn't even pay. They don't say anything. They just stuff the camera in your face. There is a difference there, I feel like, between a person who is homeless and a person who's just walking down the street. Right. I'm also not the person who will ever <clears throat> shy away from asking to take a portrait. Yeah. Like, you, one of your favorites that you've ever expressed to me was the guy in Madison. Yeah. The beard. Yeah. Um, I was, he was, I sm- he was smoking a pipe and he has mm-hmm. a big beard and he's bald and all this. He's an old cat and it's just like, hey, man. I, your beard is wonderful, and I like I, I really like your look. Can I can I take a photo of you? I'm, I'm a photographer, and he's like, sure. And every time I bring the camera up, he take the pipe away. I'm like, God damn it! Mm-hmm. And I mentioned one of him like blowing smoke a little bit, and mm-hmm. I snapped it, and it was my first street portrait ever. Mm-hmm. And that it, it's very different. Mm-hmm. That's not someone who is in need of something, right? They may be, yeah. But it wasn't an interaction for currency. Yeah. There was no money exchange, no mm-hmm. nothing like that. So where do you draw that ethic line, I guess? Like where are you are you paying someone? Like, okay, we pay a model a couple hundred bucks for a photo shoot if they're willing to do whatever. Mm-hmm. But you also look at like, okay, I'm gonna pay a homeless person a you know, whatever for a street photo. It's like very different. How do you compensate for time? Yeah, How do you compensate for life? To mm-hmm. be the devil's advocate on that. I mean, That's my job. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if you don't photograph them, I mean, people well, that was just my point. Gonna, yeah, yeah, we're not going to see what that life is could be like. Yeah, my reaction like. to the comment in that video um, saying that, you know, you shouldn't or it's unethical to photograph people in a different situation than you are. Well, like, how is that then going to be documented? Because a part of photography is just documentation. I think the biggest point in that was not so much about, like, how do you do it and not hit it? I think it was doing it with no respect to it. Right. Like, that's one of the biggest things, and I know you agree with this as well, and I'm sure you will, is if you are documenting something or creating something that is not traditionally yours, Mm -hmm. you have to pay proper respects to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you look at, I mean, like, for me, ceramics being a big part of what I did, and I really miss it a lot. Mm-hmm. But you look at, like, traditional, like, T-bowls, like, you know me, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's a culture within that. Right. If you're not paying respect, like, you can put your twist on it, mm-hmm. but pay your respects to it. Don't don't make it, it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a feeling more than a way of, like, existing with it. Right. But it's, you know, basically pay your respects, make your, your addition to it. Mm-hmm. But understand where it came from. Mm-hmm. It's just like doing the photography in that sense. That's well, context. Yep. You're, you're doing something like if I'm photographing a person who is a street vendor and they, like we just got done talking about the street food documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix. To us, the lady in Taiwan, I cannot think, or not Taiwan, uh, uh, Thailand. Yeah. I cannot think of her name for life. I, mean, I just got done watching it. Um, where's the goggles? Lovely lady. She was awarded a Michelin star 
for her street food. She's been doing it for 35 to 40 years. Wow. And one of the only in that area to get a Michelin star. Of any kind of food. Well, mm-hmm. or rather, she started off as street food, and she worked, I mean, literally bust her ass off for 40 years and to the point where her daughter or granddaughter opened up the restaurant because they're just running out of room. Well, they were running everything out of, like, basically a rented kitchen space. Yeah. Um, where they would prep. And then everything is cooked on the street. She has been doing it for whatever. She's 71 years old. She cooks every dish that anyone touches by hand. She is the only street food vendor, I believe, in Thailand to be awarded a Michelin star. Wow. Yeah. It's not awarded to her restaurant. It's awarded to her. her. And it's incredible to think about that. But if you walked by and didn't know who she was and photographed her or, you know, whatever, you may not know that. Mm-hmm. To, you, to anybody else walking by, like, it is not a pretty thing. It's it's beautiful in my mind. Yeah. Knowing how I look at drinking food, but it's very much not the same. Right. It's not it, It's not your five-star restaurant. It's, it's it, well, it's open air, and they have a few tables set up around, and she's just busting ass behind in the kitchen. And she has those goofy bomber goggles Everything on because I saw it's just her. hot as shit when she's throwing shit on the... On yeah, the, she's uh, keeping oil out of her eyes, too. Yeah. Because yeah. it's big walks. Like they're they're frying omelets in, like, an inch of oil and shit like that. Like, it's wonderful. But it's one of those things where, like, for me, at least a street photo especially, and I'll kind of, like, lead this tangent at this, if I'm not taking a portrait of a person, mm-hmm. usually, if it's just, like, setting a scene <clears throat> where it's, like, right. yep. engaging elements... I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like, take a portrait of someone, mm-hmm. I usually try to get to know them just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because for me, you're capturing personality. That's where portraits came from. It wasn't just about tone tone colors and right. your, your black and gray gradients, whatever it may be. Yeah. It became from a personality and capturing that person. Right, yeah. I mean, it's like painting. Mm-hmm. So it, you can't. They were often multiple sittings. They were very rarely where they're just a one and done. Mm-hmm. So your your whole thing was the composition, the clothing, the poor. The it was pose, the, yeah. It was to, the person. It was you were to capturing to enact a certain feeling yeah. or mood yeah. or personality. Yeah. It wasn't just strict. Some of my favorite photographs that you've taken are of people that don't necessarily. It's not that they don't know. It's just that they don't realize that the photographs being taken. Mm-hmm. If you will, if that makes sense. Can you um, give me an example? I mean, uh, most of my people know. Most recent, right? <clears throat> yeah, most recent, uh, Darius uh, uh, from Spite. Oh, if you're talking about live concert, that's a whole different. Game. They, yeah, right, no, right, but right. but I mean, he's not focused on. He's focused on the song that he's performing. Right. He's focused on the feedback from the crowd. Granted, I mean, Minneapolis here. I mean, that's a apparently a whole lot of Apparently, a very big fan of his, but he's my, a big fan of that. Yeah, like my one of, one of my favorite photos ever. Uh, same bar, uh, or not? Uh, what bar? Uh, Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. There's a gentleman. Uh, I can't remember if he's in a booth or um, on the bar itself, and he's just reading a book. Mm. I think it was Amsterdam. Yep, I know it's Francis actually, Francis Duda. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he doesn't look like he knows that you're taking a photo. He didn't. I am guilty very much of, uh, <laughs> especially at bar tops, because I'm very wary in bars. I will not make them obvious, but I'm also very critical of photographers who shoot in restaurants and right. bars. Because well, said, like I know you've given me shit. But that's what I like is when people it, when it's more I natural. Just, I just try to be careful about it. Yeah. Like And it's smart. It, it just depends. Like if I'm shooting something, it's just like, hey, this might be cool. Mm-hmm. 
but I always show them afterwards. Yeah. Um, since then, I've been, I've become friends because I showed them the photos. Like, holy shit! And it's a really good photo, and it would have yeah. been a super missed opportunity if you hadn't. But then it would be it would be ethically wrong if you went and showed it to him and they were mad about it. If he was mad about it, I would delete it. Yeah. That's always been my policy. Yeah. Like anybody on the street, like I don't shoot the DSLR on the street anymore because if I level up, uh, even you know what you have for like your Minolta there, mm-hmm. if I level that somebody's face, like what the hell? Yeah. Because the culture now is very much more apparent. Yeah. But if you take like my rangefinder, you know, mm-hmm. um, and bring it up, people just meh, mm-hmm. don't really think much of it. But it's it's very much a thing where like if you're really upset about it, I'll, I'll delete it. I don't care. Yeah, I'm not really upset about it. So you find that. Not, and that's those are the the types of photographs that I really like. I because because they they're not they're not a portrait. They're not staged. You can tell it's just people. Yeah, it's not posed. It's people. It's candid, and that's. My personal preference towards well, and dear God, the the debate on style of street photography, what defines it is we don't have the no, time. No, no, that gets ridiculous. But yeah, no, no, that photo's amazing. But that's where I like because really that almost it, it's a portrait of a person. You're capturing it's a person, but, it, a but it's also a, a composition. Like the light lines up the. You know, you've composed it, but you haven't directed the scene. Yep. And that's kind of the fun thing. It's, it's you're more like you're documenting. You're not. Uh, well, and that's where it comes into the debate once again for street photo, especially yeah. which like I consider myself a street photographer. I mean, I don't put the label on there hard because hmm. a lot of my street stuff is architectural yeah. or yeah. Like I shoot, if I'm shooting with my digital, I'm shooting in black and white through my rangefinder because I use the, the uh, electronic viewfinder. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, like I think a lot of things now, and it's something I learned in college, is that everything is very much like color based right now. Mm. Big bright gold colors, it's amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. But okay, it's it's composition is shit. Mm-hmm. But it's but bright and it's, it's bright and it's beautiful. It's colorful and okay, cool. So when I shoot black and white, I'm a moth. Yeah. I am drawn by light sources because they create a different a different tone, a different idea. And um, our good buddy Kendall, um, I actually recently showed him how to take, I don't know what model Canon he has, the DSLR. Mm-hmm. Um, showed him how to change it into his view mode where it's still shooting raw like I do. Mm-hmm. But he's viewing in black and white and the kid almost peed himself. Mm-hmm. He, he, he like hugged me. He was like, yeah. dude, I've been trying to do this and I'm just like, Canon man, he's been doing it forever. Yeah. Which, hooray, let's do to Sony now. But I have one other one that I was just thinking of um, with the idea of that kind of stage thing. It's also at the Amsterdam. Uh, was this cat? Um, God for venues without photo policies. Well, no, this was at the bargain. Right. And I'm blanking on his name. Oh, nice. Similar idea. Mm-hmm. Other side. Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a little. You pour your damn song. What is this? Uh, so, uh, if you're not watching live, we are pouring twenty. Uh, 2017, 2016, Demeter's Choice Barrel Age Barley Wine Ale by 11.3% by Pitchfork Brewing Company out of Hudson, Wisconsin. I'm going to eat here eventually. Yeah. 
Okay, so what pizza are we ordering? Well, we can't go through this first. No. There's nine more beers in there. That's it. Mm. 10, 11, I lied. Well, this might be 2015. Mm-hmm. I think of it. It's also 8.30. We're in 22 at this point. Yeah, we talked for at least 30 before that. Well, we didn't. We're jogging. We didn't record. Didn't count. <clears throat> yeah. Just twitch about that. <laughs> but no, it's it's all it's all fine and dandy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. At the end of the day, I think there's you know you can debate ethics on anything. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely, and that's where I think the the ethics debate. Like, I don't like when. There, I think there are some hard ethics that we have to agree on to keep a civilized society. Well, matters, essentially, is what it comes down to. Right. Uh, but then you can back yourself into a corner when you go way down the rabbit hole on ethics in either direction, mm-hmm. whether it's unethical or it is ethical. And, and that's where it just, like, it gets to a point where you're like, I think one of the things that that video made a comment on is it really is his personal choice. You kind of have to decide your own ethics. Um, but also to be ready to back them up. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we very much run into a thing. And this is kind of my outro, I guess, from my part of this conversation mm-hmm. is very much with anything. And it's very relatable to things going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take anything to an extreme, mm-hmm. usually not great. There's, only, there's things right now that are happening that extremes are being brought up. Like, well, why does that have to be the, the example? Well, because people don't tend to listen mm-hmm. or at least take unless notice it's unless it's extreme. extreme. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't have to explain it in this way, mm-hmm. but to, to get you to understand at, a, at some level why it may or may not be right or wrong, right. I have to go to this point. Yep. And that's very much a thing right now. Uh, it, it's in, it's interesting for me being on the outside of that realm. Like, you approached me and you showed me that I really thoroughly enjoyed that shot. Uh, Odell, I think we're outside Dark Horse that day, and it well, that was that the one that I showed you was a almost a mile away. Sure, either way, we weren't together. That I day. think it just looked really cool, and that was my initial reaction. I wasn't, thinking, and you go, well, do you think it's right that I publish this because I gave him this is an actual couple bucks. <laughs> and that was the first time I really ever thought about the ethics, and it kind of made me think about. Well, what about all these just 25 cents a month pays for this kid in some foreign country, non blah, blah. And I mean, how much money did they spend on to send a crew over there to send mm-hmm. somebody to, to be the, co- the, the voice of their commercial, the crew, mm-hmm. the plane tickets, ship the equipment over, blah, blah, blah. And I never really took the time to think, holy cow, there's a boatload of money being sunk into this. Mm-hmm. And then you open up and do, you know, you're self-employed. I'm just shooting photographs because I feel like it. I mean, how do you justify? I mean, can you, I can will, you write a book on it? I will never absolutely, and I will say this to a fault, 100% what I think. I will never walk up to a person mm-hmm. and offer them money to take their photograph. Homeless, employed, model otherwise i mean unless it is a business deal where we have agreed upon something mm-hmm. there will be no currency exchanged i am not the person who will ever do that because i feel like at that point 
like my photo of Odell mm-hmm. is not something that looks like what he is living. Mm-hmm. It does not look like, and I and we can put this up on the arena thing if you ever want to see it later. Mm-hmm. I obviously you can repost it however you want. Um, but it is not something that like justifies what he is living. Mm-hmm. If I'm taking a photo of someone and they are like you know living in their little whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's very different. That photo does not justify that, and it's it's just very much a different thing. Yeah, I don't I don't ever want to be the person who like goes up and pays someone to take a photo of them where they're looking like they're living rough, and then I make profit off of it. Right, that makes sense. I would say, well, my personal two favorite photos of that you've taken outside of live concerts is that photo of Odell. And then when you mean Kendall were out and I can't remember there was a musical or a play going on. Oh, the, uh, the door guy. Yes. And he had the top mm-hmm. man hand and you asked him, Hey, can I, do you mind if I take your photograph? And it was just a fuck it up. Yeah. Both photos were just genuine mm-hmm. smiles. Yep. of people just being happy to be there to be alive and you can kind of capture that in the photo and that's what I think is kind of cool and again yep. having that's a good you'll have to send that to me so I can post it they're they're both up you can do you know what yeah. yeah so yeah well if people want to see these photos yeah where can they go uh, Instagram I, I always forget my own because all of my stuff's different um, Collins underscore Justin is my Instagram so you can view all the work that I've talked about here um, Ben you're a little more tricky because um, you have two different pages oh that's true three it's three, three. three. Yep. it either goes you, up on my personal page you can or... tell because they all talk to each other thank mm-hmm. you <laughs> algorithms Let's play the game that's another we kind of touch base on that um, before I forgot to hit the right button to record. <laughs> but the algorithm, I mean, if you guys don't mind diving down that rabbit hole again, um, we could probably... Of what now? The algorithms of social media and being a small entity, a small business. I, I haven't messed around with it too much as far as, like, being affected, I guess. Right. Um, I'm not... Uh, you know, a 12,000 plus follower yeah. page. I mean, I'm. It depends on what your goal with your Instagram or like I'm, any I'm of the, your social media well, is. On the highest so, I've been right now, I'm at 596. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just like, come on, 600. Like, yeah. yeah, I want to break, you know, 500 and I'll be happy. For me, combine Facebook and, so, and Instagram, I don't use really any of uh, I. I tried Twitter for a while. I don't like it. I, I think it's Twitter's Twitter's stupid. odd. Um, maybe it's become different. But I know yeah. a lot of people out there, um, in particular in the sex worker industry, like it because it's less censored. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook and Instagram, which I I fully understand their point there, um, but I don't like it because I don't ha- want to sit there and post the same thing three times. Right. I'm happy that I can. Like Instagram, I can post 
on Instagram and link it to my Facebook and it'll automatically do it. Right. I'm annoyed that I have to back out and redo it on, well, my, that's on my Twitter. Facebook can't own well, Instagram. If well, I do it on Twitter, it gives the link to the photo, but it doesn't post. You, you can post, post the fucking photo. You can post and photo. what I just typed. You can post a photo straight to Twitter. Yeah, but I have to back out and I have to go to a different app and I have to reload that and I have to do something different. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. Me, let I, me show you a couple apps today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hootsuite is the one I use. Yeah. You or can but well, you, can schedule, another, you can schedule posts. Uh, like, I have posts. I got yelled at last night. I got, like, I forgot what time it went up. Like, 7 or 7.30, something like that. Mm-hmm. I had the most recent one I did of Whitechapel go up. And my manager was like, hey, you're supposed to be on your phone. I was like, if not, it's, it's in that it's, drawer over it's there. scheduled. Yeah. It's a scheduled post. It's like, what? I was like, no, I, and I, I tried have to give him shakes. Like, why are you on your phone? Oh, there a lot. What's the app? Yeah. Uh, Vero. V-E-R-O. Yeah. I've tried that. And that's okay. It's not great. Um, I've actually gained a lot of followers from Twitter from that to Twitch yeah. because it's, it's like, well, I'm not mad about that. Yes. But it's my irritation is with Instagram and Facebook. They're owned by the same Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. So of course Zuckerberg. they're gonna they're gonna play nice with each other and right. And I used to manage my success by my followers on there and my mm-hmm. my uh, uh, what's the word. Uh, likes and engagement. Com- engagement. There we go. Yeah. On on the post mm-hmm. until I was sitting down with Casey from Blind Ninja Studios. That you can find at blindninjastudios.com. Uh-huh. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Blind Ninja, Blind Ninja Studios. But yeah, um, I mean, with more and how many downloads yeah. this show is getting on other like, platforms. Uh, yeah, what <laughs> people are listening <clears throat> to this. People yeah. are yeah. enjoying it, and that's so. So let's jump into this. We understand uh, it depends on what your game with social media is. What's your, what's the purpose? Are you trying to become a social influencer where basically you're marketing yourself to companies? You're trying to intentionally build a following so that you can be marketable to companies who will then give you things. This this video is brought to you by Squarespace. Exactly. Yeah. Or you're, like we're reviewing this product. And the the as I've Which researched this I, a little I bit, I can't say anything against that because I mean, well, Ben, I gave you Duck Hill Workshop yeah. an ad slot on yep. on the show, and mm-hmm. I gave Blind Ninja Studios because, frankly, right, I wouldn't be able to do the show without either two of you being there. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, you're my co-host, and Blind Ninja Studio Studios, excuse me, is literally the studio that we we right. record at. Yep. And but yeah, I mean, and so I so that's kind of the. If you're if you're trying to become a, a social influencer, where you get paid by companies, so it, it's it's interesting I, and it's meeting your clients where they're at. I don't, so I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think there are some bad sides to it. Again, like we could do a whole episode. I, no, I th- think it's a bad thing. I think it's a bad. The bad side of it is that people take it as face value. Mm. Oh, I follow. ABC, mm-hmm. and they said this pill is going to make me have a six pack abs in a month. Right. Well, did you research it? Did you look no, into it? Did you ask? Full did you look at critical reviews? thinking? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but right. that there. Yeah. Okay. So that's just but marketing they in general because that's, that's the way they're raised on social media. I understand that the, the generation but, after okay, us. Okay. Is okay. That right. you're, hold, you're looking hold, at easy killers, instant gratification bullshit. Let's go back. Your question was initially how we use 
Instagram or social media oh, to build out. our businesses. My and then rant. We went down your fucking <laughs> um, So again, there are different ways to use Instagram. Are you trying to be a social influencer? Are you trying just to get people to look at your work? Or are you just using it? The other thing is, is the, are you basically using it as SEO to draw attention to you, your brand or your website? Um, the reason to post across multiple um, platforms is really just to continue to push stuff out to get it in front of more viewers and to get it into uh, search engine results. Because that's what it's for me. If someone's like, hey, I'm typing in custom woodworkers in Northfield or River Falls. Like, I want my stuff to rank in those searches. And the more content that I have out there, the more likely that is to happen. Well, yeah, the best place to hide a body is on the second page of Google. <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> I'm not really trying to become a social influencer. I don't necessarily... I would love to... I would love to get stuff to review from companies without buying it. Um, but I don't necessarily want to get paid to say good things about a product. Um, so no. I'm not trying to build that. I'm not trying to build a 10,000 follower channel, but I am trying to be consistent and deliberate. Well, that's where I come into like, I am not, I'm on note of like reviews mm -hmm. gear centric enough. Mm hmm or even like savvy enough in some of the stuff I use to be that. Mm -hmm. I know what I make with what I have and I'm learning more every day. So it's like, okay, well, what do you want this? Well, I, I don't, I don't fucking used one. Right. I don't, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also not enough of a person to be like, let me talk about philosophy of this mm -hmm. to be like, let me be sponsored by whatever it may be to just talk. Yeah. It, it's not my goal. My thing is just putting my work out there. When people see it, it's cool. It's an easy portfolio. Like, honestly, like for photographers anyway, people are shying away from, I mean, obviously physical photography, yeah, physical portfolios are a very fast dying thing. Right. Because prints are expensive, well, not expensive, but expensive for most. Mm -hmm. And to update them as often as I shoot or as often as most shoot, right. it doesn't make sense. A digital portfolio is more accurate. And a lot of people are just like, well, why do you have a website? Just have an Instagram. Mm -hmm. Everyone usually has it. It's an easy way to go into it. Right. It doubles as a portfolio, but that's why I don't post a lot of like, I can the last fucking selfie I took. Also right. like some story stuff like with yeah. us and stuff like that. Well, there, and there's why it's nice to have multiple accounts. You have a personal and a business and, and well, I use them for different things. Friend, because I, I originally thought you know, anyone that follows uh, dear America podcast, I thought Instagram pulled that off mm -hmm. originally, and then I finally had a chance to sit down and look into it. Turns out it was hacked, but my original complaint was Instagram pulled it because I know face value, that podcast might seem like it's right-leaning. Mm -hmm. And obviously Twitter, Facebook, social, and Instagram have a more left-leaning view. You gotta stop talking to Gus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Either way, that's um, that. That in itself, I'm going to put that out right, here right now as a no, load of horse shit. There, and, there's, and, and it's not, not, it's not a thing. If that was a thing, then half of your groups on Facebook would not exist. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to put that to bed there now. I think it's how much attention do you have over the world? I mean, if you have a private Facebook group, you're less likely to get on. But if you're, yeah, but it's not private to the servers. 
not to point fingers or name names at a, a John Burke or those guys that are out there like, suck America's dick because we're the best, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to get that kind of attention. But if you're certain, anyway, I thought it pulled down because of the, the content that we're covering. Yeah, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. subject that it's I. It's once a month we come up here. Yeah. And piss off uh, most people. Yes. Uh, Isn't that what we do every day? Few. Yeah, but in our separate areas. <laughs> I assume because it was a. Because of the subject contact, it was, it was taken down. Right. Uh, and now realizing that was, yeah. there's some other issues there. But. What was the key? What's the key statement in that? Or keyword in that statement, Gordon. I thought. You assumed. I thought. <laughs> yeah, you assumed. <laughs> I assumed because it was a weekday and I had a full-time job to worry about. Mm-hmm. And that week did not go according yeah, to Yeah, I understand. Yes. But finally get, did get to dive mm-hmm. down into the the issue of the subject. Right. But, you know, it's... It, it, it's how to word it? Um, Frustrating. Yes. Yes. That I believe trying, that's, because that's for me, life. like I'm not trying to make money off social media, but I am trying to get the podcast to so promote there. it. Yeah, um, and that's where I look at like the and those are the two biggest platforms. That you can Facebook there. promotion stuff like I'll pay five bucks to get three thousand more views. It's like have any of I mean YouTube. I mean obviously very small group sitting here. Mm-hmm. Ever clicked on a Facebook ad? No. Hell no. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't and, happen. Okay, so I own a business. I pay. $1,000. And I reached X number of people I'm now seeing on their feed. Yep. You'll see why have clicked on my ad. Yeah. Z yep. have paid er, to went to my website yep. and A1 bought something from me. Right. And those and two, you, like, listening, I have gone in a downward triangle. Yes. So you start at 100% and you've worked your way down to 2%. Yep. It's a funnel and it's a statistics game. Yeah. That's what I really like about doing YouTube. So the new YouTube studio um, shows you some of that. They show you um, the impression statistic. Like, hey, this is how many people that we've put your content in front of. And it's staggering. You say like, oh, like 11,000 people have seen my video show up in their stuff, only 4% of them have even clicked on it. And but I, I talked to, or I, I have talked to, I've listened to some of the OG YouTubers out there, uh, Furious Pete, who you and I have talked to many a time, also, who I mean, were there pre-algorithm. There. Well, he was there pre-algorithm, and he's talked about how the algorithm has affected his sales on his website, mm-hmm. because less people, even those that, like me, who are subscribed to his channel, follow, don't see his videos when they're produced. And I, I'm, uh, I'm a little behind, obviously, because <clears throat> life happens, but... For someone like him, who has millions of followers, mm-hmm. and he's only seeing uh, less than fifty percent. That's also a T-shirt. Life happens. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'm going to make that. Um, I, I, I mean, for me, I have on Facebook four. No, we'll say five hundred followers. Yeah, twenty percent actually see my post yep. when I put something up. Yep, and it's beyond frustrating. It is. It's dumb. It's really annoying. Grant, I have an advantage because I'm not <clears throat> what horseshoe. Or I'm, not, I'm not. That's where the consistency comes in. That's where setting up. It, like if you want to get your stuff out there, um, it's being consistent and then 
calling out for engagement because the more people engage with your what you're putting out, they're not just reading it; they're they're liking it or they're commenting on it. But, but that st- that triggers their stupid, algorithm. Stupid fucking engagement! It, it games, yeah. If it, you will. I mean, that's what it is. Comment Duck Hill Workshop letter by letter, and I will send you a free bullshit T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, or uh, and that's Polaroid also- of me holding a chainsaw. <laughs> it, it, you know, in this case, you know, more likely a bikini, <laughs> a female with a yeah, um, yeah. So there's there are some interesting things about it. It's it, it's beyond infuriating for me. Yeah, because I'm out there. I'm trying to create an educational podcast for people. Right, and. I have less followers. I have less. I grant. I well. I guarantee my downloads are less because I'm not wearing a bikini, which is probably for the best. But I will pay you money to not do that. <laughs> well, in that case, <laughs> go to Patreon.com/slash/RulesOfArena if you don't want to see me in a bikini. Uh, I mostly don't want to take the photos. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it. <laughs> Bad touch. Um, I don't know. I'm some of the. I'm losing steam on this. Um, <laughs> You're losing steam on life. Well, the coffee yeah. is right around the corner. Oh, I've had what three cups. That's I'd have one now. That's on station. Um, so again, though, it's consistency and building your audience. It, it takes time, and it's actually no. Sorry, I didn't like this one. I don't want it. I don't like it. I'm sorry. This stuff, like, sitting on aging high ABV uh, beers have never been my forte. No. Yeah. Go back. No, I'm not bitching that, like, social media is going to be hard. I just don't like the uh, sway. I don't know. I... The necessity to pay to see oh. people view to to see your posts. Yeah, and that's like I. I mean, you, you just commit. You, the three of us, we don't have the budget for it. Right, you can't afford yeah. to throw a thousand dollars a month or a week. You're right. At uh, Facebook. I don't. I don't disagree with you. But and that's, when they're that's the how... two largest platforms being Facebook and Instagram out there, I mean, that's the easiest way right. to reach people. But Whether the flip side of that is, is if they didn't sell advertising. They couldn't make money unless they were selling membership. So would you rather have free access to a network or would you, you rather pay still, for it? I, you could still have it set up. So like, oh, it's still a um, um, uh, I guess timeline where it's based on who posted first. Right. But why not pay an extra X amount to have your post first and still have a sponsored underneath it? Yeah, but I still I messed around with that when I went to the tattoo shop trying to like optimize stuff and having like Google people come in and it's just unless you're having the volume that you need to have, it's yeah. a pain. Right. Absolute pain in the ass. It's and it's ridiculous because unless you have this the funnel or whatever set up behind it to benefit from the increased traffic that you're paying for, you're losing out. Um, and it's just it's for to me in my mind, I'm not even gonna worry about it. I'm not gonna get worked up about it because I'm not gonna do it. You know, I'm going to just try to be consistent and then start conversations with people. And the more people engage in the, in my content or like, that's great. Since I've been putting out videos, I've been growing my YouTube channel by about two followers a week. 
I've seen that pretty consistently as long as I'm being consistent. I'm up to seven. <laughs> Since January. Um, so if anyone listening, uh, if you'd be so kind, you only have to watch videos. Just go to youtube.com <laughs> slash or search Rules of the Arena podcast. And if you can't find me, shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram. It is kind of hard to find. And again, it's because I refuse to pay money towards YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or anything like that. I will not pay you fucking money to advertise what I do. And granted, I mean, I have six, seven hundred followers across all my platforms. And... I'm getting me 2,000 downloads a month. It's like, how? <laughs> yeah, I've had people, I had one person approach me before, like, hey, uh, I saw your shirt. I mean, have you listened to this podcast? I'm like, um, you know, yeah, I'm kind of the host. I'm like, what? I'm like, you listened to it? Where was that at? Amsterdam. Really? Yeah. When we were at uh, Sean James and really? uh, Swells and yeah, um, no, we I know the show. Window of the Wave, we're playing that night. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, really? It's me. Come on. Someone saw my arena shirt and came up and said, hey, have you heard of this podcast? I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> Tell me about it. And yeah, it's like, holy shit, somebody actually listens to this and... And it, it's cool to me. Um, and granted, I'm not. I'm kind of behind. I would say behind the curve as far as podcasts go in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, what I'd say they started getting popular in late '90s. Not really popular. That's when they came out. '97 to '99. It's mid 2000s. Like podcasts and blogs, kind of. The earliest I ever heard of anything was 99. Mm-hmm. And, and that was when it was strictly Apple. Right. And uh, the only reason I know about that is because my old high school teacher, mm-hmm. uh, he had a gaming podcast with his buddy, Aaron. Uh, so it was um, Aaron Hilden and Mo. I don't know his last name. They did a gaming podcast, and Hilden would go out to E3 every year mm-hmm. on a media badge for it. And unfortunately, he passed away. He had the flu or something or another and had a complication with diabetes, laid down for a nap, didn't make it out. Cool. But his, uh, his friend Mo, at his funeral, read letters from people all over the globe hmm. that listened to their podcast. I'm like, and this is years before I even thought of the idea of doing a podcast. I'm like... Holy shit. I'm like, what is this? And, you know, thinking podcasts were strictly an Apple mm. thing, not realizing the grand scope of it until two, a year and a half ish before Rules of the Arena launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my employees, he was listening to these podcasts all the time. And I go, what the fuck are you listening to? Oh, this is Joe Rogan. He has this guest on. I go, what? Oh, this is a podcast. Like, where do you get it? Oh, this app, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. Launcher Arena, things weren't going well, and I realized that I needed to figure out a way to build the why. Why do people want to buy the clothing? Why do people mm-hmm. want to follow the arena? And this kind of bouncing, bouncing ideas off of people's heads, blah, 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 until I talked to Casey, and he goes, oh, you should start a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's a podcast? What's this? And that's when I started listening. Well, then a year later, I'm in the studio mm-hmm. with this guy, and we're recording 
what later became episode two, Justin, for those of you not watching live. Um, considering the only person that anyone can see on the Twitch stream is you. <laughs> no, I'm still here. Oh, are you on the end? Yeah, I'm okay. behind the comments. Thing. Yeah. And yeah, that's what became Rules of the Arena. Right. And it was an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. As it should be. To just get my the RSS feed mm-hmm. onto different streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Let alone people listening to it. <laughs> Fuck, I, I didn't care about that. I'm like, oh shit, somebody downloaded it and it's not my mom? Awesome. <laughs> Just get it out there. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, I think that's, that highlights in most cases with, with any social media, the thing that people are buying is your story. Um, like, you want them to buy t shirts from you? Great. They have to buy into Why? Yeah, they have to buy into you, what you're doing, what you're. Yeah, because there's a thousand. I mean, you type in t shirts. I mean, how many subjects are going to show up on Facebook? Right? Yeah, that's where, I mean, the authenticity comes in. Yeah. Like, people can smell bullshit a mile away. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, like, I mean, most of us have our things. We really, how we, what we know. Yeah. For me, it's bars. Mm-hmm. People can tell if you're being fake. Mm hmm. Oh, he's, hi guys, how are we doing today? <laughs> you're, you're not that friendly. <laughs> I am, but just not in that way. Yeah. People can tell. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly what makes a good anything is that authenticity. Right. Um, that's what kind of gave me a little bit in, of encouragement. Um, company that I follow, like Mark Vale, I know you do too, Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob and Dana Lynn Bailey. They were talk, kind of talking about that. I mean, Dana became really a household name if you follow the fitness industry. Not because she was posting pictures of herself in a bikini, but because she went out there and just bust her ass. First female Miss Olympia ever. Was it ever? Yeah. There's a, she won the first year that they opened up to females. Did not know that. To, to females. Women, sorry. Um, and she just kind of kept posting the same thing over and over. You know, this is what I do. I'm not here to appease you. I'm here because this is what I want to do kind of thing. And when I saw that interview with them and talking about it and hearing, you know, uh, I can't remember who she mentioned. Promoter A said she should get implants because mm-hmm. she looked more feminine. And she kind of went to her husband, Rob, and what do you think? He goes, no, fuck that. I, I love you for who you are, blah, 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 blah. And she stayed to who she is. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck. You know, that kind of inspires me because she didn't take the easy route. Right. And, well, I'm... Six three hundred pounds. There's no easy round. <laughs> well, and that's we we've all come down to that. Like not mm-hmm. to compare it to you know a first ever of any kind, but there's very much a difference between. And this is something I've talked about a lot. And it may may or may not be relatable. I mean, stop me if I'm not. Um, between like discrimination mm-hmm. and like choice. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has seen me in this video. Everyone knows me. I have multiple facial piercings, visible tattoos, large gauge ears. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never, like, not gotten a job because of it. Right. But I know people who are modified that have not. Mm -hmm. Like, discrimination. No. 
If you're qualified, they'll hire you. No, not the point. Right. Yeah. No, no, not, not the point I'm making at all. Mm. The point I'm making is so, if, they, if they don't hire you because you're black, because you're, you're, uh, you're, you're gay or you're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be, something that is not something that is, you know, of your volition, mm-hmm. you chose to modify your body. Right. You can't complain about that. Yeah. If I went to apply to bar that was like, I mean, like, I know what I look like. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. I know what I want. I'm also very picky about my industry. Right. But if I went to a place that was fine dining, like, I don't like, there are certain high end restaurants in the Twin Cities that I will not even like go waste my time at. Right. Not because they're not wonderful and they don't deserve people going there and they don't have great staff. Because mm-hmm. even if I took everything out, they are going to touch me. Yeah. I will still have large holes in my ears even if I take these things out. Mm-hmm. That's not discrimination. Right. You made a choice. Mm-hmm. You have to live with it. Yep. But that's also very much in that side is where you you made the choice to work the hard road. Yeah. And that's very much what anything worth having has become. Mm-hmm. Whether it be self-employment or you know fitness and physique stuff, mm-hmm. powerlifting, strongman. Anything it takes dedication and consistency and dedication over motivation. Yeah. Nope. And, yeah. and I'm guilty of losing uh, that battle. Uh, mm. Working yes. at my full time job, I've unfortunately had to turn down probably two or three people in my career because they've had weird facial piercing, weird air air quotes, weird and weird again air quotes hair colors. Not because I'm like, I think you'd be great or you, you have potential and might take a little bit of molding, but I know my customer base. Oh, they won't. Yes. And I, that's what I'm worried about. And, it, and it's unfortunate. I, I hate it. And when I did the follow up after post interview and I had the follow up conversation, I, that's what I told them. I said, listen, I think you'd be great for the spot. Here's my issues with hiring you because of this hair, because of this piercing, because of this, that kind of thing, or the whatever the case may be. I personally have zero problem with it. My corporate office will. My my key customers that keep the lights on at my store mm-hmm. will have a problem with it. And I cannot hire you because it will jeopardize my job. And it's a it's a really hard and weird conversation to have with somebody. And, you know, I, with a couple of them, I've tried to follow up and say, listen, if you apply for another job, put me down as a reference. I'll, I'll, I'll be more than happy to talk to your potential future employer and give you a really good reference because I think you'd be great. But I can't because I work for corporate America, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Right. Well, to wrap it up, <laughs> yeah. um, let me key points: critical thinking, mm-hmm. be good to each other, dedication over motivation, hard fucking work. Yes, um, it will suck. Talk, talk to people, through. network your ass off. Don't sell yourself. Network. Yeah. No one wants to hear your elevator pitch in a fucking like but yeah elevator yeah to to no 
my brain's not going to grab onto that. I had something to say and I don't have it anymore. <laughs> it's gone. It just ran past the window. Yeah, I saw yeah, it there. But no, it's life yeah. is life. Ne- okay, sorry. I do have it. Networking is not like going to networking events, blah, blah, blah. It's making a genuine connection with other people. It's like, that's the thing. I think like our view of networking is weird and just like it's listen it's what we it's the conversation that we had today with the at the distillery you know that's good networking well yeah oh, we didn't talk about that at we all didn't and I'm, i know <laughs> no i'm not i'm not gonna bring it into a full conversation no. i'll nutshell we'll it a, we'll do a second oh no not that. nutshell we went to a small distillery in mm-hmm. what's the, the fucking scott Oh, no, no, no. What's the town? Serona? uh, Serona, Wisconsin. Uh, Uh, Perlick. P-E-R-L-I-C-K. Distillery. That was Yeoman Vodka, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeoman Vodka. Yeoman Vodka. O-M-A-N Vodka. If you see it in your neck of the woods, buy it. I'm not a a clear liquor fan. Period. But that was really fucking tasty. No, I'm the same. I like clear liquors and I like vodka. That reminds me of old world vodka where it used to be like pride in what your product was made of. Yeah. Not like how neutral and non-tasting can I make this, which is the current era. Yeah. That's a story for another day. Like you should have a full like alcohol one at some point. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to this podcast, uh, pop in again to Burlick Distillery, Serona, Wisconsin, off County Ruby. Say hi to Scott, Michelle, and uh, Kathy. Of course, don't park in her spot though. No, they'll let you know. <laughs> uh, but no, they walk in there and like, hey, I'm a cocktail nerd. I've mm-hmm. done this. I'm not a, a, a badass by any means, right? But I know a bit about what I'm doing. Well, yeah, come, come, say hi. Come talk to us, or we'll talk yeah. to you. It went went both ways because they came and engaged us as we sat down and they took our order and they wanted to stay and talk. And then we. Yeah, they were very much first back. Well, yeah, I think they were more interested in our backstory than we were in theirs. (laughs) And you could kind of tell because it wasn't that. Well, again, I've been in in customer service retail. And it comes down to don't listen to respond, listen to. Understand. Don't re- don't listen to um, what's the word? Apply. Yeah, I'll think about it later. Yeah. Engage. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Oh, hey, be on a podcast. Hey, I know cocktails. Hey, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. And all of it was considered and not just brushed under. Like yeah. watch the after interactions. It's <clears throat> yeah. Exchange business cards. It business helps business. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think that's about all Shiro kids. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Um, ben, Gordon, I'm glad to have all three of us out at the same time, <laughs> even though Ben's dying right now. Um, his beard's literally falling out of his face. <laughs> and it's turning gray and slow, well, not slowly. Aging hundreds of years, as we sit here. Um, last so, words, Gordon? Uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening. I truly do appreciate you. Um, Again, go follow Duck Hill Workshop on Facebook, Instagram. Go check out their website. And make sure to go follow my buddy Justin on Instagram. It's J.E. Collins. Uh, J.E. Collins Photo Photography. You'll find both. Collins, yeah. Justin. Uh, yep, check Collins, I'm sure Justin on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I change that. These two are... Let's make another one. Honestly, the majority of the reason why I have a podcast is because we've been able to do these... 
I guess fireside chats. In this case, uh, dining room chat. We've been, we been fucking, doing this for a quarter for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's snowing outside, and we're at the end of May. Thank you, Mother Nature. Yeah. And, uh, no, this is this. I think for the three of us has been a very big thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. To have all three of us on, and I know we're dragging it out, and Ben's going to kill me. And if um, you listen to episode one, Justin was there with me because, like I said, he was the first guy I told about the arena idea. One that's actually so. episode two. That's uh, well, that's me, but yeah, yeah. before the podcast started. Ah, yes. No, um, none of us could do what we do without each other being involved. That's true, and not as much fun. Yeah, that's kind of the end of the day. Is do what you love. Don't be a dick. Yeah, that's let's. Kind of a rule for life. Drink what you like, don't be a dick. Do what you like, don't be a dick. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. Live and let live. Yeah. Fuck if, it. If you're thinking about doing something, podcast, woodworking, photography, whatever the case is, pitch ideas to people. Take their feedback. Don't get mad if they say it sucks because it probably does. <laughs> That's how I we're got so a friends. lot of that. Yeah. And, you know, take it into your book and work through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks again, guys, for coming down. No, here. cheers. Appreciate this. Absolutely. You know, cheers to all of you at home. If you're listening, thank you. If you're not, you should. Good night. Mm-hmm. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode. Stay up to date with future guests and live recording by following the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Vero. All of them are under Rules of the Arena podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitch where you can tune into the show and join the conversations live. Just head over to twitch.tv slash rules of the arena. You can also find this episode and all others on blindninjastudio.com slash ROA. Also available for download and streaming on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and CastBox. Make sure to subscribe, subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch the live recordings of previous episodes. If you'd like to support the show, there's a couple ways you can help out. Uh, please give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You can also support the show directly by going to patreon.com slash rules of the arena podcast. I have a couple different ways you can help out there. And if you'd like to get a hold of me directly, please shoot me an email to roapodcastinfo at gmail.com. Thanks again, folks, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.